Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School. Here, you'll get fresh insight from the people at the very top of the tech companies who make the products we love. Remember, you can learn product management live online. Visit productschool.com to discover our new certificate path. There, you can also join the world's largest community of PMs and network with the leaders from these podcasts at our online events. There's something happening almost every day. Hello, Product School peeps. My name is Gibson Biddle, and I'm here to talk about branding for builders. I want to start with a bit of a pop quiz. I have in my pocket hundreds of $50 gift certificates for two different companies, and I'd love to know which of the two that you would enjoy. So the first is for Uber, and the second is for Deer Lyft. So I'd like you to choose between those two. I've been asking this question for years now. Four years ago, about 90% of the audience would choose the Uber gift certificate, and 10% would choose the Lyft. And most of the time now, more than half of the folks will select the Uber gift certificate. And that's not because of degradation in the service at Uber. It's largely because of a series of PR gaffes, things that were wrong that caused people to no longer trust Uber. And that's to give you a sense of how important this notion of a brand is. In my family, I have a 21-year-old daughter and a 23-year-old daughter. They both uninstalled Uber. My wife did the same. And this gives you a sense of how important a brand can be to creating that trust. And this is one of the answers for why people who are building products, you, product leaders, should care about this notion of a brand. But there's some other reasons as well. As a product leader, the way I simply define the job, your job is to delight customers in these hard-to-copy, margin-enhancing ways, where margin-enhancing is just a simple way of saying to make money. And there's just a few ideas that help product leaders to do this. Economy of scale, I I was at Netflix for many years, the company's big, and because it's so big, it it can afford $13 billion in building original content. It's got a network effect where every device in the world is magically ready to stream to your television. And it's got wonderfully unique technology in their personalization. They understand the member taste of 157 million people worldwide. But the the big dog I want to talk about here is the brand. You trust the Netflix brand. Every month, it's magically pinging your credit card for $13, $14, or $15. And that brand is the hard-to-copy thing that you can nurture and build over time. That's really what I'm talking about today. The other thing that comes up for product leaders is I'm in product development. I'm in technology. Why should I care about marketing? That's someone else's job. And I want to give you a sense through my failure of why it's so important to to engage in these ideas of packaging, of positioning, of marketing. So this is Sesame Street counting cafe on the Sega Genesis. And I'm confident that none of you have played it because I spent $300,000 building the product and exactly 300 people bought it, which is a, a phenomenal failure failed to make it clear why you should buy it, built the wrong product for the wrong platform. So spin forward to 1997, this was one of my first hits. This is Sesame Street, Elmo's Preschool. 
And this was the number one title in 1997. Adorable Elmo would help your three, four, and five-year-old children, probably you for many in the audience, to learn everything that you need to know in, in a preschool curriculum. A substantially better job at packaging and positioning the product to deliver a hit. When I'm interviewing product managers, these are the seven skills that I look for. And you'll notice that one of them are marketing skills. I'm nicely quizzing product leaders' job, uh, their ability to package and position these ideas in ways that are appealing and relevant to, to their customers. At this point, I've probably interviewed 500 different product managers. This gives you the sense of, of the skills I'm looking for. But, but I'm always evaluating their marketing skills in this context. So my name, as I said before, is Gibson Biddle. This, I want to give you a sense of my career. You'll see that I go back and forth between building bang-bang shoot-em-up games at Electronic Arts and building kids' software at the learning company Mattel. Uh, for many of you out there, it usually gives people a kick to know that I worked on Oregon Trails. That's, that's how old I am. At 2005, I joined Netflix as the VP of product and then went on in 2010 to Chegg, which is a textbook rental company. So this gives you a sense of my background. This branding for builders talk is really, there's three chapters to it. The first I'm going to explore the simple question, what's a brand? And then the next, in chapter two, I'm gonna explore two different branding models. The first is a simple positioning model, and the second is something I call the brand pyramid. And then in the third chapter of this journey, I'm going to share how all these ideas played out over 20 odd years at Netflix. So to dive into chapter one, what's a brand? And like many of my explorations today, I, I start with Dear Google. And in this case, when I asked Google to define brand, they gave me a stinky answer. They talked about an identifying mark burned on livestock. And this is one of those rare cases where I gave the Google an F. So I continued on in my journey to understand what this concept of brand means. I, I bumped into this idea all the time. Don't worry about the brand, just build a great product. And it's true, if you build a great product, you can also build a great brand, but it's also helpful to be more thoughtful about the brand. And I'll explain some of this later. I found a wonderful and juicy quote by Howard Schultz. This is a well-known brand, Starbucks. The most powerful brands are built from the heart. Their foundations are stronger because they are built with the strength of the human spirit. Some very abstract, lofty ideas at work and again, it wasn't as helpful as I was hoping. And then I found Laura Bush, who had a relatively cogent way to think about this. Brand is the unique story that consumers recall when they think of you. And that was super helpful to me in my thinking. So here is my definition of a brand. A brand is the story that builds a trusted relationship between a customer and product. The brand, this concept includes positioning, the benefit, personality, and then gets into those concepts of aspiration and emotion. So I'm gonna give you these two different brand models. The first is a very simple one. It explores those first three things. It is the, to help you to understand what positioning is all about. And all of you are experts in positioning. I know this. Uh, and so I'm going to help you to understand what it really means. So the first, you have to think about the word position refers to a, a specific position in a place. And that place is in a consumer's mind. 
So this notion of positioning, it means the place a brand occupies in a consumer's mind. And you're all experts in positioning. I know this, and I'm going to prove it to you in a moment. So in a moment, I'm going to yell out one car brand, and I want you to, to, you can yell back the one word that pops into your head. So I'm about to say the car brand, it's Volvo. And I'm guessing that almost all of you had the one word safety pop into your head. And this shows you how carefully Volvo has positioned themselves as the safety car. And they've got hundreds of airbags throughout the car. And I could play this same exercise for a number of other car brands. And they're all working hard to position them in your head with these certain ideas. It, it's remarkable to me that Tesla, in, in its 15 years, has, has, has been able to achieve this position where it's the innovative car compared to companies that have been around 100 years. This is the notion of positioning. So here's the simple positioning model. As a, you're, with your product or service or your company, you're trying to answer three simple questions. The first, what is it? And my coaching is to be highly descriptive, talk using sixth grade language that my 83-year-old dad will understand. And then be clear about the benefits to your customer. How will it improve their lives? And then the third is a little abstract, but this makes your product relatable. And the question is, what is your product or service's personality? And the way to think about this, if we met your product at a party, how would folks describe you? And this is the way of getting at a personality. So what I'm going to do is share with you how we thought about the positioning of Netflix. What is it? It is a TV and movie subscription service. And how does it benefit our customers? It is wonderfully fast, it's easy, and it's entertaining. And it's also providing an incredible value. Lots of movies to watch for $13 or $14 or $15 a month. And the way that we were hoping you would think about the brand, if you thought about as a, as a person, you would think that the, that the company, the product, the service was both straightforward and friendly. This, these are the, the, the ways that we defined the product that we were trying to build over time. And I'm hoping that you, you believe most of these things are, are true. And I'm hoping uh, Netflix hasn't lost your trust the way Dear Uber did over many of its years. So this is that first positioning model. And I encourage you to think about your product, your service, your company using these tools. The second model is, I call it the brand pyramid model. So we've described what your product is. We've described its benefits and its personality. And now we're going to go two layers deeper. We're going to talk about aspiration and emotion, those touchy-feely things that Howard Schultz from Starbucks talked about. So you do aspiration to, to help you remember that you're trying to build a product that will dent the universe 10, 20, 30 years from now. And the confusing element is emotion. Why would brands get into this notion of emotion? I'll let you think about that. Ah! Now, with a live audience, that is a scary thing for folks. The reason I've done it is to, to create an emotional response. And the reason that I want an emotional response is that's what causes people to remember me. So this is this wonderful quote from Maya Angelou, the writer. I've learned that people will forget what you said. 
People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I'm guessing you've experienced a little of this. I hope you've recovered. Sorry for that. Sorry to the editor, especially. <laughs> okay, so the second model, uh, this is the way it works. It's a brand pyramid. And the pyramid starts at the base with a foundation. And it starts with, I call these the product attributes. These are the bits and bytes of what you do. You can think of these as features as well. So these are the features in your product that deliver the benefit. And now we repeat the product benefits, the things that help to improve your customers' lives. But now we ratchet up into the world of emotion. And these are the emotional benefits. These are how you intend to make the customer feel so that they will remember you. And then the ratchet up further, if you're trying to build a product and a brand that will dent the universe, there's something bigger at work. And this is really trying to answer the question, how you will dent the universe. And this is about the aspiration, which is super important. So I'm going to share this in the context of a brand that most people know, and I'm also assuming most people love it. This is a photo that's taken two hours before the Apple Developer Conference happened in 2016. These are people waiting for the doors to open. So think about the relationship that they have with that product and brand. Most folks will remember the first ad that Apple did. This is from 1984 where this woman throws the hammer at the man to topple the, the powers that be, if you will. Incredibly memorable. And this is, of course, one of the early products, this simple, elegant, human-centered um, design. And this is a wonderful example of how Apple positioned itself against IBM. Which of these two characters do you want to be? And here's an ad. Notice there's no product, there's no brand, there's no nothing, but a person that's clearly in their own private Idaho as they sing and dance their way down the street. Think about how Apple wants you to feel as you look at this image. And then they brought in famous celebrities. This is Pablo Pagasso. Why did they choose him as, as a foundation for their Think Different campaign? And look at the other folks that they chose. What's special about all these people? And it gives you a clue about how Apple thinks about their brand. And then brands are about how you want to be perceived. In this case, you can see this person's logo. You can tell that they're an Apple person. They're not an Android person. This is what makes brands special. And I'm sure that some of you today have already gotten your Apple 11. And it's, it's a sign of who you are. So now I'm going to share how Apple thinks about the brand using this pyramid. So you start at the bottom with these product attributes. They're pretty simple today. They have mobile digital products and services. In the old days, they had printers and PCs, etc. In the benefits that they're hoping to deliver, highly creative, highly productive, and easy because of that human-centered design. And then how do, do they want you to feel? That person dancing on the streets, they feel free. They feel highly imaginative. And then if you think about those characters that they made as part of the Think Different campaign, what the brand is trying to deliver is revolutionary innovation. These were all revolutionaries. And this is really how the Think Different campaign was constructed using this brand pyramid. So what's the value of a brand? I have an $1,800 MacBook Pro. I bet you I could have bought the same from Dell for $900. And this is the real value and power of a brand. 
So for Dear Netflix, the way that we thought about it at the bottom, the attributes today, it's about TV and movie streaming. And it's also about its original content. Ten years ago, it was about DVDs by mail. The attributes change, but the benefits are the same. So it's all about those same benefits. It's fast, it's easy, it's entertaining, it delivers a great value. And how did we want you to feel? We want you, wanted you to be delighted. In the early days, we were competing against Blockbuster, which was the opposite of delight. You'd go into a store, you'd spend 10 or 15 minutes trying to find a DVD, you had to wait in line to pay for it, you'd go home, discover that nobody wanted to watch the movie, and worse, you forgot to return it, so you had to pay a $40 late fee. This was exactly the opposite. We were competing on delight. And the something bigger that we were trying to provide was this escape from reality. Think for a moment about the first time you went to a movie theater in the summer, a big blockbuster, and you were transported to different universes. These were the, the, the hallmarks of the brand that we were trying to create. Now in this case, we didn't do a fancy ad campaign. Everybody on the product team understood at the end of the day we were trying to build a product where movie enjoyment was made easy. I joke that Neve Savage, my brand partner, would tattoo that to my forehead to, to nicely remind me about the product that we were trying to build. And it was amazing, the partnership between the product team and between the product and the brand team. So here is that brand pyramid. I'd encourage you with your product, your service, your company to go through the exercise and, and name each of these steps. So you too can be in lockstep with your marketing partners. So I've been trying to give you a sense of the power of a brand, and I, I think brands are incredibly powerful. So in the case of Dear Apple, when you choose an Apple product, what's going on is you're engaging in revolutionary innovation, and the brand is a reflection of how you see yourself. Defining the brand provides the product team with tools needed to create a consistent experience as the company grows. It's the job of folks in marketing to give definition to it, and it's your job and product to actually build something that delivers against that. And then the third is this amazing teamwork that brand and product can delight customers in these hard-to-copy, margin-enhancing ways. And this is the real power of a brand for me. So now I'm going to take you on to chapter three, and I'm just going to share with you about how the Netflix brand evolved over time. So a couple things about Netflix. At Netflix, it's all about consumer science. The non-member site, that's the place, it's a page where people come to it and they can click the button to enjoy. Today, it's a 30-day free trial. And this is where the product is effectively packaged and positioned. And the job is to inspire you to start your, your free trial. Every two weeks for Every year of Netflix's life, they have been experimenting in focus groups, different ways to present the product and brand, and an A-B test. Every two weeks, there'd be four different front doors of the site that were being tested against each other. And this is really the beauty of consumer science. And Netflix is obsessed. It's, I hope you can understand that the product gets better and better and better, and people are trying to understand how the service can get better for you. And I'm hoping in this journey, you'll see that over time, the brand takes on more meaning and more value. So I'm gonna take you back to the beginning. And my, my theory here is all startups suck at the beginning, but this is where Netflix began. And it did suck. There were about 2,600 titles available. 
for $4, you could get a disc and it would magically show up in the mail five days later. It really does suck, okay? And if there's designers out there, I, I, I think you'd say, yeah, that sucks. All right, so now roll forward to 2003. Things are looking a little bit better. Now imagine every step of the way, ideas are being A-B tested and this was the design that week that won. So now you go forward to 2004, things are a little simpler, and now you see a happy couple on a couch. That's what brings people, you can begin to get some sense of the, the delight and the emotion at work. And in 2006, there's a happy family on a couch. And then 2007, that's the year that Netflix launched. We called it Watch Instantly. January of 2007 with 300 stinky titles that you could watch on your PC. I think this is probably Dragonheart. Now things get more complicated because we are struggling to define a server that's about DVDs by mail as well as the ability to stream a small category of movies really to your PC and maybe a couple other devices. And you can see that it's getting complicated. How do you package and position these ideas in ways that resonate? And now if you look here at the very bottom, you'll notice it's all about the DVDs with a little bit of pepper and salt about the streaming. And there's the happy family on the couch. And by 2010, now you can see it's flipped. They lead with the streaming, and the DVD is becoming a little bit of an afterthought. And by 2011, finally, it's beginning to look a little bit simpler. The packaging and the positioning is clearer. It's about a streaming service that you can begin to watch kind of, sort of, anytime, anywhere. And 2012, that continues. It's finally beginning to get to be a simple, well-lit place. And by 2015, it is wonderfully simple. Now recognize, along the way, Netflix was always testing simple against complex. And the odd thing was complex was always winning. And that was because when you put more stuff on a page, it communicates more value. But by around 2015, all the meaning was beginning to come from the brand. It was enough just to say this is Netflix and all that value was communicated with the Netflix brand. So look as it goes forward, it gets even simpler. You just have to say Netflix, see what's next, watch anywhere, cancel anytime. And that's really what it looks like today. It's a simple, clean, well-lit place and the brand is communicating all that value. And this is a, a winning A-B test, if you will, from today. So it's really exciting to see that journey of having to experiment as the product got different, as streaming was mixed in with DVDs, and finally it was all streaming, and finally you could stream anywhere, and then original content's coming into play, and all of these things are being tested on the front door of the site, and really remarkable to watch. Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, he's an engineer by trade, but he understood the value of a brand. He said, someday our brand will be so big, our heads will swell. So he understood the real value in that. So we were excited when we saw this Virgin America plane that was talking about House of Cards and the fact that you could stream on the plane. That was, think about how exciting that would be from a punk startup that has finally grown up. And this was a favorite, favorite moment for me. It's Halloween, it's in Burlingame, and this dude knocks on the door, he's got the red Netflix shirt, and he's got a bag of ice. And I'm like, who the heck are you? <laughs> And he said, I'm Netflix and chill, dude. Of course, I had to go look it up on, on Google to find out what the heck it means, but I understand. And you can see that, that the brand was taking on real meaning. This wasn't anything done by Netflix, but you can tell uh, there's millions of people that love Netflix for 
different reasons. All right, so I'm bringing it home. Here's what I'm hoping you'll do with this data, this information. The key thing is that you will work to define your positioning and your brand. You'll, you'll evaluate the ideas about how to package and position your site in qualitative and focus groups, and then you'll start to A-B test them, the front door of your site. I'm hoping that you, like Netflix, will A-B test your homepage forever. This is one of the best places that Netflix was able to understand what really resonates with customers and what doesn't. And then I'm hoping that your brand and marketing partners will be clear in the positioning and the brand about what the product wants to be when it grows up. And I am hoping that you're going to experiment like crazy to build a better and better and better product that matches that vision. That's what I am hoping for you. Because today, brands are not the preserve of a marketing department. Brands are too important to be left to marketing or to any other department. Organizational ghettos do not create vibrant, world-changing brands. That's what I'd really love for you to take home today. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.